0: Oi, tudo bem? This is Bazooka Sounds, hosted and produced by Leandro Vignoli.
1: Hey, everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Brazooka Sounds number 27. If you enjoyed this show, please consider rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. On Apple, you can actually rate and give it a review as well. You also can contact me for feedbacks, criticism, requests on Instagram as brazuca Sounds. Today's podcast is one more special about an album turning 50 this year. Classic clubida Esquina released in March 1972 by Lou Borges and Milton Nascimento, and I'm gonna say his name here all the time as we say in Portuguese, okay? Milton Nascimento uh, is his fifth studio LP, it was the first by Lou Borges, the record was released by the Odeon label. It's a long record and we're gonna try listen almost in its entirety. It is the longest Verzooka sounds to date, so yeah, so let's do this!
2: Ser melhor depois Você queria ser o grande herói das estradas Tudo o que você queria ser
1: So, Milton Nascimento had a solid career at this point, because of his songs and his previous records, very connected with the Brazilian MPB and bossa Nova as well. However, here he decided to try something different, to record as a collective, sharing ideas, and he also ended up sharing an album credits with this newcomer of 19 years old at the time, Lo Borges. They all took off from the city of Belo Horizonte, where they lived, and moved to this very small beach town in the outskirts of Rio de Janeiro to come up with Clube da Esquina, the concept of the album, almost like a hippie community vibe. They spent a year in this house there before going to a proper studio and record the sessions. It turned into a double album, very ambitious, this opening track here, fabulous, it was written by Lou Borges and his brother Marcio, performed by Milton Nascimento, Tudo O Que Você Podia Ser shows a tendency on the whole album, that is this crescendos in the music, right? The song being conducted very acoustically in the beginning, until the full band comes in and becomes this massive sounds, and it's one of those cases that the song became famous more international than in Brazil per se, even made it into the 200 best songs of the 1970s by the Pitchfork website. There's also a viral video of Kenny West and Pharrell Williams vibing to the song during a Louis Vuitton fashion show. The lyrics of this song is so beautiful. Many songs in Brazil use this uh, idea of sea or the ocean as their main theme. It's a very powerful element in the Brazilian culture as a whole. And the name of the song, Cais means pier, but here he's used in a very allegorical way, like a metaphor to set himself free of this uh, feeling of sadness. So in this song, Milton Nascimento sings that he invent a pier and then a sea so he can launch himself into it as a dreamer. Super melancholic but hopeful at the same time, pretty much talking about life and how every single moment is important, probably more profound than I'm trying to sound here. One of the main ideas of this album is obviously the collective effort. So the backup band were the members of Song Imaginario, which at that point had already a career of their own with two great albums of psychedelic rock. Two members of that band, Wagner Chizu, Tavito, they will all start a solo career later on as well, just like Lou Borges, Wagner Teaser, for instance, commands the show in so many tracks with his organ and piano. If you listen to this part on your headphones, the melody progressively goes from stereo to mono until you're able to hear the piano only in your right ear. And obviously, this arrangement, man, just like the lyrics, so so beautiful. Albums, ideas, lyrics, arrangements were all collective, right? All band members played various instruments there on the spot, even if it's not primarily their instruments. Uh, totally, totally unusual for Brazilian recordings at the time. Milton was obviously the center core of the album, uh, and if on the one hand Milton builds like this bridge between MPB music and African sounds, not through samba. He was referencing African sounds uh, from the proper continent, something he also did partially in his previous album of 1970. And then he brings Low Borges, which is this fresh and anarchic voice of rock and psychedelia. Você pega
2: o trem azul, o sol na cabeça, o
1: sol pega o trem azul, você na cabeça, o sol na cabeça. O Trem Azul, the song, it was and it still is a big hit in Brazil, written by Alon Borges, as I said, in partnership with Ronaldo Bastos was also heavily involved in the collective as well, produced the album and he produced many Milton Nascimento albums afterwards. Initially, many music critics in Brazil thought this was just a Milton Nascimento album, actually. It was not like a a duo or even a collective, right? The Clube da Esquina. So in March 1972, right after the album was released, Milton gave an interview to the very famous newspaper, O Globo. A lot of music critics thought that
0: I was just doing a solid for Lo when I shared the credits. Far from it. First of all, the album is not mine alone, but everyone involved in the process. From the get-go, the idea was to bring all these creative people together. It is a project
1: shared by me and Lo. Interesting here that all songs by Lo Borges are played by different guitarists. It's Toninho Horta, he played this solo here, a household studio musician in Brazil at the time, also part of A Tribu, the backup band of the singer Joyce. So this song is more like straightforward rock, psychedelic, almost progressive rock as well, and then the album switches up again to something more elaborated right after. What would you do to get out of this tide? What was dream turned to dirt? So this lyrics here was obviously a criticism of the dictatorship in Brazil at the time, so much so they appear twice on the album in form of little vignettes and like many lyrics on the album is disguised as a recurring theme of travels this reference, right, to all artists who fled the country at the time, Milton Nascimento was actually one of the few mainstream musicians who chose not to leave Brazil, he even used to say in future interviews that he will only leave the country if he was killed, and true of the matter is the regime was so obsessed with all the other guys, Chico Buarque Caetano Veloso, that they forgot a little bit about all the other artists also making their point of criticism in their lyrics. So this melody is a Brazilian 10-string guitar, uh, and Clube da Esquina, the record, is a very important uh, album, because it reinforces this rustic soul of Brazil. It's a rural record, folk, heavy use of this instrument, Viola Caipira, as we call in Portuguese, the Brazilian 10-string guitar, very prominent in the Brazilian countryside folklore music. but obviously what encompasses the brilliance of the album is really this blend of sounds and rhythms. So the base of the song is the viola caipita, but mixed up with a lot of strings and brass arrangements. Very simple and sophisticated at the same time, that's possible. Uh, Not much so internationally, but this song on the background, Nuvem Cigana, was one of the most famous songs on the album at the time, and still, Newton Nascimento played this song in his concerts up to this day, Nuvem Cigana. Another very interesting thing about Clube da Esquina is the album gave percussion like a new stature on the sessions, like no longer being used only as a rhythmic element, but almost like a life of its own. <coughs> it's almost like an Afrobeat, but not in the tradition of Kuti and the jazz makers of Nigeria and Ethiopia, but a proper Afro-Brazilian beats. So to speak, mixing it up, right? These African percussive elements with these reprocessed elements of Africa in Brazil, especially in the Afro religions cultures like Umbanda and Candomblé. So I see this song in the background, Cravo e Canela, as quintessential Brazilian song, you know. Uh, Milton Nascimento even re-recorded this song for his album of 1976, uh, recorded in the iconic Shangri-La studio in Malibu, uh, an album for the foreign markets with a very different arrangement. I rather this version here on Clube da Esquina.
2: Hello, girl, a Morena que temperou, que temperou,
1: and one thing about this album that we always need to talk about is of course his iconic album a uh, cover these two boys Tony in e cacao sitting on a dirt hill like super powerful cover represents Brazil more than almost anything, the photo was taken inside the car of the photographer, Caffey, in the spur of the moment, right? And for many many years after the fact, people thought the photo was in fact Nascimento and Borges as young boys, but no just random kids. The boys on the album cover were a mystery actually for many decades. And only recently a journalist tracked them down in 2015. And this is what Tonio said. Uh, one of the kids on the cover, the white kid on the cover.
0: Someone in the car shouted at me and I smiled. I was eating a piece of bread that someone gave to me because I was starving, but I never knew I was on the cover of a record. My mother will be thrilled. We never had a photo of me as the boy.
1: And also in this interview, according to Tonyo, he didn't even know much the music of Milton Nascimento or who he was or is, for that matter. He really, really lived in the deep countryside of the country. And the two kids now are in their 50s and honestly, after this interview and all, they started a lawsuit against Milton Nascimento, Low Borges and the EMI Odeon record. Legend, of course, the misuse of their faces on the cover of the album. But all that being said, the record label, Odeon, at the time, really didn't like the idea at all of a cover without the name of the artist. And that's why the back cover of Clubida Esquina is this big lettering, with their two names, right, Milton Nascimento and Low Borges in a beige underground, and the label even strongly recommended to the stores use the back as the front cover in their shelves. And so they did for a while, and only a few months later, or weeks later, in 1972, that the photo with the two boys really picked up among the, the buyers and among the store owners. And it became right this iconic cover album, as we know today. <laughs> On the background is the longest song on the album. It's called Dos Cruces, which is not even in Portuguese. It's sang in Spanish. It is a cover by a Spanish bolero from the 1950s. And this was Milton Nascimento really, really building this connection between Brazil music and... And the that folklore and music from the indigenous peoples, especially of Peru, Bolivia, and Ecuador. Uh, all countries that share border with Brazil. But as I said in a different show here, Brazil really have some struggle to reconnect their oranges with the rest of South America, maybe because of the language, is really not a secret that Brazil is almost like a country by its own. In the entire South America, so this particular song was very significant and important, right, to bring this this connection between Brazil and South America. <laughs> And then the next song is almost like a bridge between Brazil and, I don't know, downtown London or something like that. This is easily the most popular song on the album in Brazil. Classic romantic ballad uh, performed by Lou Borges. The name of the song, Girassol da Cor dos Seus Cabelos, meaning the sunflower with the color of your hair. Love song. Milton Nascimento has zero contribution on this track. Did not play any instrument. Do not sing. So just reinforcing, right, this collective effort of Clube da Esquina, the album has this continuous switch-ups, right? Like this high-pitched guitar here that comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vento solar e estrelas
2: no mar. Um,
1: song finishes in a place very very different from where you began. That sense of movement is highly intentional, uh, as if you've been carried away to a distant place more or less, uh, like a railroad crossing signs in Brazil where it says stop, look, listen. So this symphonic part here, very imagetic, very cinematic, was arranged uh, by Yomir Deodato, gives room to a keyboard melody that goes all the way back to the beginning of the song, but now in a faster way, built up in anticipation. It's just majestic. Listen to it. And then all hell breaks loose when the band comes in and the climax of the song. Everything about this song is just perfect in my opinion. Lyrics, vocals, harmonies, melodies. And again, this was recorded practically live in the studio, no room for errors. And according to Lou Borges, what we hear here is the first and only take of the song. Wow. Top 10. And the history of Brazilian music, in my humble opinion. Even this guitar part here, played by Nelson Angelay, right? This. Ta-na-na-na-na. So as I said before, right, this album, in addition to being like this synthesis of Brazilian music, brought and reinforced like this connection with the rest of South America, especially that music from the Andes, especially this percussion part, it's very much so more... South American than Brazil, so to speak, right? Again, this very abrasive percussion that surrounds the entire album. Nothing like that was being done at the time, really. Almost every song here, there are different guys on the band playing the percussion, everybody played the percussion, more or less, and later on guys like Paul Simon and David Byrne probably had a lot of influences from it. They will spend the 70s and 80s trying to steal it, yeah I said it. One of the masterpieces on the album, Clube da Esquina Número 2, Number 2. And this song is called Number 2 because there is a song called Clube da Esquina and the Milton Nascimento previous record from 1970, which the lyrics were shared between Milton and Borges at that time, only a 17 years old kid. And what it really means, this Clube da Esquina, the Corners Club? Belo Horizonte is the capital of Minas Gerais, a more or less the Midwest Brazil. It's not by the ocean, so kids pretty much hang out on the streets playing soccer, playing guitar and music. And that's what Clube da Esquina really means, right? The Corners Club. Milton Nascimento is not originally from Belo Horizonte. He is from the countryside of the state of Minas Gerais, but he moved to the capital there when he was around 21, in the early 60s, and ended up socializing with all the Borges family. Uh, since they lived in the same building, Uh, and Lô Borges had 11 siblings, including Marcio Borges, who had more or less the same age with Milson Nascimento, and he was part as well of the Clube da Esquina, but Marcio Borges, more like a songwriter, he actually co-wrote this song on the background, among others on the album too. And as the story goes, Milton played this song, Clube da Esquina number 2, alone in the studio, with only his voice and guitar. So this is one of the few songs on the album that is like a multi-track recording it's all the other instruments by the band Song Imaginario. The Arrangements on the Orchestra, again made by Elmir Doudato, which is the theme of one of the Brazooka Sounds a couple of episodes ago. And this song is the last song of Disc 1 on this double album. this almost inoffensive country soft rock starts uh, disc two of the album and led to Brazil's federal census originally blocked the recording of the song. The, re- the lyrics are very allegorical, once again, about this uh, marginal knight, this traveler soldier, I- is speaking against as the lyrics say, those morbid things, those sordid men, this storm, you don't wanna believe, but that's so normal now. So it's an obvious commentary on the military regime. Ironically, the the song is very easy listening, right? It's the most pop song on the album by a large margin. The chorus of the song is also very iconic in the Brazilian songbook. If you go to a karaoke party, it has a chance of someone singing the song. One interesting thing here, the guitarist on this track is Nelson Angelo, that was married with Joyce at the time. They even put a great album together that same year in 1972. this song is actually a cover, this is like a carnival song from the 1920s. The voice here is uh, performed by Alaide Costa, who was like one of those bolsa nova and singers of the radio era in Brazil. What happened was, one day, Milton Nascimento was in a television show uh, to perform himself, and one of the performers before him, it was literally Alaide Costa performing this song in a more upbeat way, right? The original version of the song, uh, Me Dei Pais. And when he saw her performing, he was like, whoa, blow away. And he invited her immediately to also perform on this album. And, of course, in a very different arrangement, this is like a samba melancholic tune, almost entirely, conducted by like a surdo in the beginning, like this bass drum, that progressively becomes faster and heavier, more like a carnival. Exactly how I explained in my previous episode was entirely about Samba Manly and how you build Samba songs. So if you did not listen that episode, I strongly recommend it. From Carnaval, we go once again to the South America region for the next song called Os Povos. So Milton Nascimento wrote this song while traveling in Venezuela, and pretty much is about the extermination of the indigenous peoples uh, by the colonizers in South America, right? Spanish and Portuguese in the case of Brazil. At the end of the day we all share kind of the same type of struggle of being colonized by Europeans. what he sings here, right? At the edge of the word, iron gates, dead villages, crowds, my people, my people, didn't want to know what's new, never again. It really is this heavy message about colonization. And very interesting here is only Milton Nascimento and the band Son Imaginario performing this particular song here, Os Povos, was also re-recorded for the album Milton from 1976, released in the USA. The original version here is is so much better. And for the next song here, I, I, I said this already in this show, but I'm gonna say again, it's probably one of the most beautiful songs of Brazilian music history. It's almost impossible, right? Talk about this album without mention Milton Nascimento's voice, like which is very deep, reaching high notes too, with a lot of falsettos. Uh, It is exactly what Elise Regina once put it. If God could sing, he would do just like Milton Nascimento. And that's coming from Elise Regina, right? Which is also an absolute great singer. And very interesting here, Milton Nascimento always uh, have said that he was influenced mostly by female singers, Ella Fitzgerald, Doris Day, because in his opinion, women would sing with their hearts as opposed to men who just wanted to showcase their deep voices. And then he said the only changed his mind when he listened to a recording of Stella by Starlight by Ray Charles. The song... A
2: robin saints through years
1: of endless praise So all this magnificent voice of Milton Nascimento is reinforced here by this track which is basically him solo with his piano until one more time, all of a sudden, there's a switch up to those cinematic orchestrations. These arrangements by orchestras are written by Elmir Doudato, but the conduction of the orchestra in the studio, per se, was done by Maestro Paulo Moura. It's really fascinating how this album changes from rural acoustic guitar to classic pieces on a blink of an eye. Very, very, imegetic. Milton Nascimento was always obsessed with uh, European movies. François Truffaut, Godard, all those guys, and that explains it all, right? Fotos de uma velha festa,
2: tão antigos, fatos tão passados. No meio das fotos, vai roer
1: So true of the matter is, Clube da Esquina was very innovative and ahead of its time. Like now for modern standards of labeling music, we can just say it's extremely psychedelic. And the song on the background, Pelo amor de Deus, is probably the one that mostly resembles also the solo work of the band uh, Song Imaginário. Clube da Esquina was never intended to have this aesthetic agenda, like the Tropicale movement from Bahia, who was a collective involving not only musicians, but visual artists, poets, painters. Clube da Esquina was more intuitive, almost oblivious, it's a very interesting observation made by the author Paulo Thiago de Melo in his book about the production of Clube da Esquina,
0: Clube da was born as a post-Tropicalia ideology and benefits from it, obviously. However, the club's originality lies under the unexpectedness of its songs. Not psychedelia, per se, but true alchemy, blending exquisite tunes of rural Brazil, Latin America
1: and Africa. Or in other words, just three pillars that makes Brazil what Brazil is. Like I said earlier, Belo Horizonte. Uh, is more like the Midwest in Brazil, is more shy, reserved people. So exactly because of this lack of ecstatic appeal, the album was not recognized at the time as influential endeavor as we see it today. Uh, In some circles, it was actually a very disappointing release by a guy like Milton Nascimento, who music critics and the audience expected something very completely different more like a proper Bolsonaro Brazilian album than this uh, exploring frontiers that he was given here. This song is called Lilia and that's the name of the mother who adopted Milton Nascimento. He was a son of a maid and raised initially by his grandmother who ended up putting him for adoption when he was three years old and then taken care by Lilia. It is an instrumental piece because according to Milton almost every time he introduces this song on his concerts Uh, Quote-unquote, there will be no words to describe this woman's beauty. The only voice we hear is this ethereal uh, falsetto of Milton. And for the longest time, I have to confess, here, was not the most enthusiastic uh, about it. But it grew on me, I don't know. I don't know, it was just too weird for my heavy metal background when I was a teenager. And it's very cool, also, these unusual beats. If it was smart enough to come up with original labels, I would describe Uh, Clube de Esquina is a proto-Afro-Brazilian version of Crosby, Steel's Nash & Young. So this is Trem more straightforward psychedelic rock on the album. This fuzzy guitar is provided by Beto Gedges. The song is written and performed by Lou Borges. They were together arguably the Beatles-ish kind of guys in the band. Beto Gedges only participated in this album because of the demand of Low Borges, right? When Milton Nascimento invited Borges to travel from Belo Horizonte to that small beach town where they kind of set camp, Borges said that he would not go without his friend Beto Gedges, which is also 20 years old at the time. And he was not a professional musician at all, right? This is literally the first time uh, Beto Gedges ever played in a proper record. Sounds very good to me. And as you notice, there are two songs about trains in this record here, Train Azul and TREM DE DOIDO translates literally as train, but just as a curiosity here, in Belo Horizonte, where all these guys come from, TREM is also a slang. They use TREM in almost every sentence, really. It's like STUFF or THING. So they might say to you like, give me that TREM. And TREM in this context might be like a pen or a book. So it's very useful for when you cannot remember the name of something. So this song, uh, Nada Será Como Antes, Nothing Is Gonna Be Like Before, we actually can hear the voice of Beto Gadges, which plays, again, the electric guitar as well. Like, compared to all the other guys in this band, right, they were all top-notch. Beto Gadges was almost kind of the ugly duckling of the Clube da Esquina collective. But he also put out some great records, especially his 1978 uh, record, if you want to go after. And just like the song from before, right, has this Beatles-esque tune. And it's also one more of the uh, songs referencing the military regime disguised as something else. And again, one more song that Milton Nascimento afterwards reworked for his 1976 album released in the United States. Like half of that album, it is just songs from Club de da Esquina. And finally here we reach the last uh, song on the album, it off the record in a very melancholic way. Yeah, and that's a wrap for today, folks. This was the album Clube da Esquina by Milton Nascimento and Low Borges, released in March of 1972. Of course, a double album, had a great music legacy. I would say not only in Brazil, but many artists worldwide, and something that to this day sounds incredibly fresh and modern. It's one of the few uh, Brazilian albums cited in the book 1001 albums to listen to before you die. Some critics will even say Clube da Esquina is like the Beatles' Sardin Peppers, which I don't think it's a fair comparison, because it is better. And Clube da Esquina obviously was followed by so many great solo albums. Uh, Lou Borges, the tennis album from 1972. Uh, Nelson Angelo, the guitar player with Joyce, the Som Imaginario Records. Magnificent Milton Nascimento, subsequent record, Milagre dos Peixes. And obviously, Clube da Esquina Part 2. I'm on Instagram as Brazuca Sounds. If you enjoy, please consider rating on Spotify or Apple podcasts, just like one of the fans here of the show called Orelhinha. This podcast had also vocal contributions from Ali Murphy. Have a good day out there. See you next time. Bye
2: bye. <laughs> Raspando as cores para o novo aparecer
0: This was Brazooka Sounds with Leandro Vignoli Thank you for listening and see you next time